The countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, TJ Reeves. We are off and rolling and ready to talk about the latest in and out of the ring, including a multi-championship fight card in San Antonio, Texas. We look forward to seeing what's going to happen with matchroom boxing, including the main event. Bam Rodriguez, a recent guest right here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. He is in action against a former Thai world champion in Sorong Visai in the main event in San Antonio Saturday night. We're going to preview that and that entire card and a lot more. I cannot do this show alone. I do it with our insider, our content partner, BigFightWeekend.com. Back aboard is Dan Rayfield. Uh, Good to have you for another week. Please don't beat me up about the Yankees clobbering the Tampa Bay Rays as they've done two more times this week. How you feeling? We're rolling towards the playoffs, my man. That's all that counts. Are the Yankees going to win like 125 games this year? I hope they win it. Whatever number of games are left in the season, I hope they win it. Win them all. Listen, my, my, my two best buddies and I are all diehard Yankee fans, and we always start spring training the season texting each other. It's going to be 162-0 this year, and uh, we're getting about as close as we can get right now. They're yeah. playing red hot, and uh, one of my greatest uh, moments as a sports fan was – following the 1998 New York Yankees when they at the time set the record for the American League for wins in a season. And my buddy and I, one of those two friends of mine, we went to the World Series that year and uh, they cruised and uh, won another world title. And hopefully we got another one coming up. That would be bigger. Another Yankee World Series championship is bigger than any fight you can name. Oh, really? All right. To you. You say that to you. But I mean, the fight fans might disagree with you. But no, no, to me. But they are rolling. They beat my Rays again. The Rays have had the Yankees number, but they beat the Rays again two out of three here in Tampa while all that's going on. Uh, in any event, they didn't come here to talk, hear us talk baseball or other things. They hear, they're they here to hear us talk uh, some boxing, get some insight, get some uh, maybe a little uh, short-term investment advice, et cetera. And however you found us through a social media link through the Big Fight Weekend website, thank you for doing so. More and more are finding us. Continue to spread the word, continue to help us promote, subscribe or follow on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, And again, the rate and review contest has been going well. I'm going to say again, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, take a screenshot of it and send it in. The first 10 of you, and we have not gotten to the threshold yet, the first 10 of you that do that, I've got a Tyson Holyfield one, the first fight, the Tyson Holyfield one hat that has never been worn, an authentic hat from the first pay-per-view Tyson Holyfield, November 1996, that I'm going to send to you. I'm going to give it away. We'll pick somebody at random that gets the hat. Dan Rayfield has seen the hat now as we talk on this podcast. Am I somehow um, over-exaggerating the coolness of a 26-year-old roughly hat that's never been worn that is not in the Rayfield Museum collection of hats, by the way? I'm not exaggerating, am I? No, it's it's a cool hat, and it's a, you know, it's a great fight and it's a historically significant fight. And it's uh, like you said, it's a cool hat. And although I have a, a ton of hats from all the different fights I've been to over the years uh, that I was not at that fight and I don't have that hat, but you know what? We have to give back to the listeners. Well, uh, we are going to give back. To well, them. I'm not making you give that to me. Uh, exactly. Uh, not, I want to give it. And by the way, not- I, we won't give it away. I won't say what it is, but we got, when this contest is over, we got another good one for next month. He, he does. And you're going to love it. And it's, and it's, and this is I, one, by the way, I'll tell the listeners. Now the hat's cool. You got it through your, yep, your, yep. your contacts as a radio personality and mm-hmm. Tampa and all that. Uh, I've got uh, something fresh from the Rayfield, uh, as you call it, the Rayfield museum that I have an extra <laughs> of our very cool 
recent site poster from a big time fight. You're, you're dropping oh. too many breadcrumbs. That's coming well, that's in we'll, we'll July. That. That's we'll coming that. in July because again, the Tyson Holyfield bite night anniversary is coming later uh, in the month of June here. It's actually coming next week for that bite night anniversary. In fact, this is what, not from, wait, wait, wait. This is the not Tyson no, bite night. Is, is that this weekend? But no, no, no. You're getting confused. The hat is not from the bite. The fight. hat is not, but I'm saying we did this in honor of the 25th anniversary. Oh, okay, okay. And we're just given the hat from the first fight, November of 96. I thought originally that I had the, the hat from the second fight, but it's actually the first fight. It's a Tyson Holyfield <clears throat> hat. It says, finally, it's got the date, November of 96. I'm just saying to you, we're just days away as we release this podcast of the 25th anniversary of Bite Night, one of the craziest nights in the history of boxing and or the heavyweight division. So a lot of Tyson Holyfield on the brain. We'll give the hat away. This contest is almost expiring. Again, take a screenshot of rating and reviewing the podcast. Send it to us on social media. Tag Big Fight Weekend. Ta tag Dan. We will see it. And the first 10 of you at random will draw for somebody. And again, as Dan is saying, a different contest for January because we ain't too proud to beg and bribe to get people to rate and review the podcast. There we go. Not um, January, next month. Next, next uh, month. Did I say January? I don't, yeah, know, what planet, I don't know what planet I'm on right now, <laughs> but we okay. will get it all. We'll get it all straight. Please keep me straight. Okay. Uh, news of the week. Let's uh, let's begin with some fight announcements that are coming. We already knew, and we've already talked about Joshua and Usyk coming in August. Uh, so we've, we've touched on that in the previous podcast, fight freaks unite the previous podcast. Uh, they had the first press conference this week. Not a ton noteworthy from there. What, uh, they're having another press conference next week in London. We'll have more news, right? I, be yeah, I believe. From I, the I guess UK the most the most interesting thing, I suppose, from the the first press conference, which was in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, where they'll host the fight. So, just because of the nature of where they were, I think things were pretty calm. And and Joshua and Usyk are pretty calm, kind of demeanor guys, anyway. So, the, to me, the most interesting thing to come out of that was it was really the first uh, really public comments from. Robert Garcia, who was there with Anthony Joshua as his new trainer, talking about, uh, you know, about the fight, about taking on Joshua. So that was somewhat interesting. Uh, and as you mentioned, they will have a second press conference uh, for that fight in London next week, where obviously Joshua has tons of fans and, you know, a lot of press that will follow him. Okay. So the buildup is now underway and we're about eight weeks away from that fight uh, taking place for the Unified <clears throat> Heavyweight uh, Championships. Um, speaking of heavyweights, another heavyweight showdown, not a title showdown, has been made official, and that is Andy Ruiz, the former unified heavyweight champion, took the belts off of Anthony Joshua in the first place in a June 2019 surprising knockout of the year type knockout, upset of the year type knockout. Only to have Joshua, speaking of Saudi Arabia, turn right around six months later and take the titles off of him in Saudi Arabia. Ruiz will now be back in the ring, scheduled second fight post uh, the Joshua loss. He'll be back in the ring uh, for the first time in over a year against King Kong Ortiz. And Dan, they firmed it up for the date and the pay-per-view details. Give the audience a little bit more on this coming up. So the fact that the fight is happening, not in any way a surprise. We've all expected this matchup for quite a while. I think originally they were looking to do it a little earlier in the year. Then it was talk about August, but now they've settled on September 4th. So for those marking their calendar, keep in mind, it's a Sunday, not the usual Saturday but it's the Sunday of the Labor Day weekend. So no, uh, most people don't have to get up for work on Monday or school. Uh, so you have an interesting sort of heavyweight fight headlining this. It'll be a Fox pay-per-view. Uh, they haven't, I actually checked today because they hadn't, uh, as we taped this on uh, Thursday night, when they announced uh, the fight a couple of days ago, and then they put out the rest of the card on Thursday, they didn't announce what the price point was. Uh, I checked with the PBC people about it. 
about that. I am told they're still trying to discuss that, work that out, you know, come to a agreement with the Fox people about what they should charge for it. Um, my, my suspicion is it's not going to be on the high side the way we've seen for the Gervonta Davis or the Errol Spence fights where it's around 80 bucks, but it probably won't be as cheap as the 40 bucks they did for the all heavyweight card that they had on January uh, 1st on New Year's Day. Uh, probably somewhere in the middle there. Um, and hopefully it'll be a little bit lower than uh, than we're used to. Well, we know this. Ruiz fought Chris Ariola, the veteran who's been around forever on pay-per-view. It did, eh, I mean, it did all right at the lower yeah. level. Do you believe that Andy Ruiz is, is, is pay-per-view material still at this point? Or what is your opinion on that? They are going to try it. They're running out the string on the Fox pay-per-views. They have so many of them that they have to do under the contract. This is one of those. You know, it's not, uh, it's, it's not that he's not an established pay-per-view guy yet. So when you say still, I don't, you, I wouldn't. Well, he was on pay-per-view before. And then obviously right. the, the Joshua fight was, was on the zone. It was not on right. pay-per-view. Right. Look, Andy does have a certain level of popularity among his crowd, his fan base, largely Mexicans and Mexican Americans. They view him as an every man. Uh, they love him for his personality because he doesn't look like you're supposed to be a heavyweight champion. He does make uh, sometimes excellent fights. And so uh, he does have, uh, you know, a, a fan base. And this is a good look. I mean, put the pay-per-view element of it aside. We can dicker and argue and discuss, debate that all day long. But just as a boxing event, you know, Andy Ruiz against King Kong Ortiz is a good fight on paper. I like that fight. You're basically talking about uh, below the, the, the ultra mega fights in the weight class, which are the big time world title fights, the Tyson Fury against Dillian White, Joshua versus Usyk. Those types of fights, you know, Fury versus Wilder. You're talking about the next level down from that, but still a very high level of fight. Because if you were making an unbiased, um, you know, credible top 10 heavyweight rankings, you would have a place somewhere in that, you know, in that top 10 for Andy Ruiz and for King Kong Ortiz. Both of them would probably be Andy's probably like, you know, six or seven. King Kong is probably like seven, eight. They're in that same sort of uh, realm. And it is a WBC eliminator. It doesn't mean that the winner is getting an automatic mandatory, but he's going to push himself high up the rankings and be in a position to become a mandatory for uh, the belt that is held by Tyson Fury. And uh, to me, it lends itself to action. Holiday night, Sunday night, kick back, watch the fights. You know, I'm down for it. And they have a you know pretty decent undercard. Which we'll I talk guess about we'll the undercard about. in a second. You do bring up a good point, too, that Fox, which is involved in this, not televising the NFL that weekend because the NFL doesn't begin until the following weekend, right. September the 11th on the anniversary. And Fox is big into college football for that weekend. College football really dominates that Saturday, especially. So they keep the pay-per-view off the Saturday where Fox would have uh, a college football game or two on Fox and Fox Sports One cable, trying to kind of keep it away from there strategically. And I'll just weigh in here. I mean, I, I realize it's a great story of the everyman, et cetera, et cetera. They're going to have the fight at what is the former Staples Center, now the Crypto.com Arena. What's your educated speculation? I mean, are they going to have a good crowd? We don't know. It's two or, two or three months from now. No, Will they I'll have a what. good crowd? What do you think? I think they'll price the tickets appropriately, and I think they will have a good crowd. Look, not everybody is a college football fan. Mm -hmm. uh, boxing events are, if they're affordable, are fun to go to. It's a nice show. Uh, you know, Andy is a, is a California guy. He's got a big Mexican fan base. And, you know, you don't have to do uh, 20,000 people at the gate to make it successful as an event. And uh, it's not 
uh, I think another reason why maybe they're going Sunday among the many reasons is that it's harder to get a Saturday night booked at Staples Center or Crypto.com Arena uh, than it is on a Sunday night, uh, given the the activity that goes on at that very, very busy arena. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm down for it. And uh, look, like I said, we'll talk about the undercard, but it's got a nice undercard for it also in my mind. All right, so let's pick up right there on that. Yeah. What stands out from the undercard announcement as they were revealing that earlier? Well, the week? co-feature is the lightweight Pitbull, uh, Isaac Pitbull Cruz. He'll be in a uh, also a WBC lightweight eliminator against Eduardo Ramirez. Uh, on its on on paper, that's not a bad match at all. Uh, should be entertaining, uh, you know. But I'm still going to give Isaac Pitbull Cruz and his team grief because they could have had a much bigger fight, a much more lucrative fight, a main event fight had they even gone forward and tried to negotiate or gone to a purse bid for what was ordered by the WBC, which was an eliminator against Ryan Garcia. This is before Pitbull Cruz took this fight and before Ryan Garcia finalize the match that he has coming up uh next month against uh javier fortuna so you know cruz of course is best known for giving gervonta davis a very tough fight in a fight that many people thought that that isaac cruz uh, should have had his hand raised as the winner that did not happen he came back he had a a, a devastating performance against a uh, yuri gamboa uh recently and now this is the next step i wish he was fighting ryan garcia that was a tremendous matchup and so he's taking on Ramirez. Garcia is taking on Fortuna. Uh, nothing wrong with either of those fights, but it's not as interesting or, or exciting in my mind as if they were fighting each other. Uh, but to me, that the, the, the fault of that lies at the, the feet of the Team Cruz because they were in the fight where they had no right really to have half the money, but the WBC set the purse bid at 50-50, and, and the Golden Boy and Ryan were willing to accept that just to get the fight, and the Cruz people didn't take it. And I guarantee you that he's not making the kind of bread to fight Ramirez in a co-feature than he would have to be fighting a big name like Ryan Garcia in a main event, but nonetheless, right. nothing wrong with that fight. And so that's the co-feature. And then the, uh, the other, the, the other intriguing thing about this, I mean, we'll see, uh, you know, how he performs is, you know, we all know Abner Mars these days because we see him on Showtime as the, as the analyst on their broadcast team, along with Mara Ronaldo and Al Bernstein. But, you know, if you go back a few years, he's also a former three-division world champion, won titles at Bantamweight, at, at Junior Featherweight, and also at Featherweight, has been in some tremendous fights and was a very popular fighter when he was going strong. You know, there was a period of time where people considered him as a, you know, lower top 10 pound-for-pound kind of guy, you know, a, a really outstanding fighter, an exciting fighter, and a, and a really great guy, but hasn't fought for four and a half years. We all thought mm. he was done and retired, but guess what? He's coming back. He's coming out of retirement, or I don't know if he ever, he never actually announces retirement, but to me, if you're out four and a half years, you're retired, you're already eligible to be on the Hall of Fame ballot, is, is the point. Uh, but he's making the comeback. He's going to be in a fight against uh, Miguel Flores, you know, a modest guy, uh, a modest fighter, 25 and four, but not a lot of ex- not a lot of top names on that record. This is to sort of shake the rust off. But, uh, you know, in Abner's comments about the fight, he says, listen, I know you're used to seeing it on TV, but I'm still a bad MF or, you know, I'm still here to take care of business. So, you know, he seems motivated. I texted with Abner earlier today. After that announcement, we're going to line him up on the podcast uh, we go. Uh, down the road. And, uh, you know, he was very excited to be to be making the comeback and Truthfully, looking forward to it. are you concerned for him legitimately? On the no. record, are you concerned for him? Because there have been injuries. There's been an eye problem. Are you concerned? I mean, Abner, Abner has fought with an eye problem, or I shouldn't say fought with an eye problem. Abner had a detached retina mm-hmm. way back early in his career. He had it taken care of with surgery the same way many fighters have had it taken care of with surgery. Uh, back in in the Sugar Ray Leonard days, it was thought to be career ending. Ray overcame it, but the technology and the and the medical science these days make a retina tear 
in boxing, almost like uh, if you're a baseball pitcher and you have Tommy John surgery, that kind of elbow injury used to end your career. Now guys come back after, you know, the proper amount of rehab and time off. They come back sometimes even stronger and better than they were because that muscle or that ligament is stronger than it was before. So in the case of Abner's eye, you know, you know, you're always concerned about it, but by all accounts, you know, he's good to go. And trust me, California is not going to give this guy a license if he's not good to go. They have very strict medical rules when it comes to the eye tests. And, uh, and, and Abner has a, has a, has a tremendous career uh, beyond the boxing ring with his, with his career as a broadcaster when Showtime, where he does a very good job. Um, but, uh, you know, he still has that itch to fight. And, you know, he's not taking on a top-level guy. He'll see where he is, assess himself. He's going to be fighting in the 130-pound weight class as opposed to uh, his last uh, several fights. You know, he hasn't fought since he lost a competitive fight in a rematch for the WBA featherweight title against Leo Santa Cruz. They had two terrific fights. Both of those fights were phenomenal. Yeah, and uh, he'll be in this, uh, if I remember correctly, that was in the same arena, uh, then called Staples Center, where he'll be fighting this fight. So, you know, I say welcome back, Abner Mars. You know, I hope I hope he is good to go. I hope there are no medical issues. And uh, I'm interested to see how he looks. Look, he's not a guy coming out of retirement who's like 40 years old. Abner is still only 32 years old. So he's not, uh, I take that back, 36 years old. Not an old man. I mean, not a young man, but by no means is 36 considered, uh, you know, done. And he's had a nice long rest. And he's been a tremendous fighter for a long time. He, you know, if he wants to come back and fight, I have no problem with it. All right. And they got to wish him the best of luck. They, they and, uh, him and that, that will happen too. Anything else on that undercard? Or are we good well, the only on? other fight they announced, the opening TV fight, which is between uh, uh, the undefeated, the lightweight Jose Valenzuela, a very good prospect. He's taken on uh, the former 130-pound title holder, Jezreel Corrales. So it's a good test for, uh, for the young lightweight. He's only 23 years old. Corrales is a pain in the neck to fight. He's a southpaw who can make your life miserable. And we'll see if he can... Uh, uh, make our lives who are watching not miserable by getting them out of there. <laughs> Let's hope so. Uh, again, that is the Ruiz Ortiz uh, battle. I wonder too, how much does King Kong Ortiz have left? Just a quick sure. comment from you. I mean, at his age, uh, not getting any younger. Deontay Wilder obviously beat him twice. He had, uh, you know, he has a big punch, but you wonder too much tread off the tires with him. I don't know. We don't, that's part well, of the intrigue, right? I mean, officially he's 43. I think many would say he's about 53, uh, <laughs> but he's look, he's been, uh, in exciting fights. He's a big puncher. He's still striving towards that world title. As you mentioned, his only two losses were by knockout against Deontay Wilder. Their first fight was a fight of the year candidate where he almost had Wilder out before Wilder came back and stopped him late tremendous fight just a great fight i was at that fight at barclay center electrifying kind of performance in the rematch against wilder he dominated the, the, the rematch won every second of every round until he got nailed with one right hand and that was all she wrote so deontay wilder literally won that fight with one punch and it was like the only good shot he landed the entire fight my memory serves i want to say it was about the sixth round but deontay wilder got played with for you know the entire rest of the fight and he just clipped them and it was all over uh and for ortiz it's an opportunity to get another good name on his record, a former heavyweight title holder in Andy Ruiz. Uh, you know, those who watched that PBC pay-per-view that took place on January 1st, he was in the main event on that night, and he fought against the former IBF title holder, Charles Martin. They went to battle with each other. It was a, you know, it was not a sexy main event for a $40 pay-per-view, but if you did buy it, you got your money's worth because those guys put on a hell of a fight. Charles Martin dropped Ortiz twice in that fight in the first round, in the fourth round. So he's shown some susceptibility. Uh, Andy Ruiz has got those quick hands. He obviously was able to drop Joshua multiple times in that fight. Look, it shapes up like a fun fight. You know, 
to, I'm going to date myself a little bit. People who watched pay-per-view back when it was first a thing, HBO under the name TVKO did what they called the TVKO fight of the month. And it was these types of fights often in the heavyweight division that they could not accommodate on HBO with their license fees. And so the promoters went the pay-per-view route when pay-per-view was still a up and coming sort of endeavor where it was really uh, just starting out. And you would see what I considered like an Ortiz versus Charles Martin or a Ruiz versus Ortiz, those types of fights, but back in like the mid in like the late eighties where you'd see, you know, Tommy Morrison against Razor Ruddick, or mm-hmm. you'd see, you know, Michael Moore against Burt Cooper. Merciless those Ray fights, Mercer, I think, was on TVKO yeah, a couple times. You would right? see those types of fights in the TVKO fight of the month. And, and again, they were often, they weren't the heavyweight championship fights, but they were like the contenders fighting each other where the dollars that they commanded were a little bit more than the license fees can accommodate. And they went on pay-per-view and there was a lot of interesting matchups that occurred there. Not always heavyweights. I mean, James Tony when he won uh, the uh, the title, the, the middleweight title from Michael Munn was one of those types of fights. So there, there are, this is not an unheard of thing where these types of matchups go on pay-per-view. So everybody st- stop bitching about it being on pay-per-view. If you don't want to buy it or you don't have the money, so be it. That's just the way it goes. Or as I always say, TJ, find a couple of your boxing buddies and chip in. And for, you know, if it's 50 bucks, you know, that, you know, if everybody puts in 10 or 12, $15, I think most people can handle that. Uh, all good there from Dan Rayfield. A few more moments here. I promise we're getting to the San Antonio Matchroom Boxing Fight Card with some insight and analysis. Bam Rodriguez, uh, again, against Sorung Visai in the main event of, uh, of that one, uh, of that fight card that's also had one of the title fights drop off. We'll have more on that a little bit later on. Um, okay, I honestly don't know what the answers are here, and I don't know uh, to what extent you're going to bash this or approve of this, but here we go. Jake Paul has officially <laughs> announced that he is back in the ring. We knew that, but against da-da, Tommy Fury again. This was the fight that was supposed to have happened last December in my area in Tampa, in Tampa Bay, in downtown Tampa, where the Tampa Bay Lightning play hockey. Instead, it ended up that Tommy Fury, for whatever reason, supposedly his mother was ill. He had an injury, both. He did not end up coming to the United States. And on short notice, Tyron Woodley, the former UFC welterweight champion, ended up fighting Paul a second time. Was was competitive, but eventually Jake Paul starched him with a big right hand. Okay, so that's Paul's latest win. I was there that night. It was sold out in the arena. It did decently well, I guess, for HBO or for a a Showtime, excuse me, because they're now back in the Jake Paul pay-per-view business again. Madison Square Garden, April 6th. We're releasing the podcast, uh, you know, taping it Thursday, coming out uh, Thursday night late and Friday morning. And Jake Paul says, I'm fighting Tommy Fury. And Showtime has now confirmed that. All right. Dan Rayfield, does this interest you some, a little? Does the Fury matchup, Tommy Fury, interest you some, a little? I honestly don't know the answer, or are you rolling your eyes at this? No, I'm not rolling my eyes. Look, I've never been a, uh, a Jake Paul hater. I've never been somebody that looked down on the so-called influencer fights. Uh, it's not my, my most ardent desire to watch those fights, but I've got no problem with them, and I've watched Jake Paul's fights. I've been entertained, his antics, his fights, uh, as long as you know what you're buying, you know, it's if you buy a Jake Paul event because you think you're getting the top skilled fighter in boxing or a big championship fight, then you're an idiot and shame on you. But if you know what you're getting, which is a guy who has limited skills, but a big popularity, who works hard, who's trying to make himself a better fighter, 
who gives opportunities because of his popularity can put other people on the card to get exposure for them like he did with Amanda Serrano, who's going to be in the co-feature uh, coming off that great fight with Katie Taylor, a fight that was a very close disputed loss for her. But she will be on the undercard in the, in the co-main event defending her women's unified featherweight titles. So I'm not in any way a Jake Paul hater. Uh, do I love the Tommy Fury matchup? I, I'm not really because I don't really think much of Tommy Fury. But the one good thing about it is this. He's at least Jake Paul fighting an actual boxer for the first time. Remember, right. he's 5-0. and oh. He fought a fellow influencer in his pro debut. He fought the retired basketball player, Nate Robinson, in his second fight. He fought the long past his best days uh, MMA fighter, Ben Askren, in his third fight. And he then fought Tyron Woodley, the, the UFC fighter, twice in his next two fights. Granted, he was supposed to fight Tommy in the most recent fight, but obviously he was sick and pulled out and Woodley took his place. Remember when Woodley and, and Jake had their first fight, Tommy Fury was on that undercard with the, the idea and the expectation that he would be the next opponent for Jake Paul. It obviously didn't happen because of what we just talked about, but now they got the fight back together. It'll be an eight rounder in the cruiserweight division. And it will be interesting for whatever you think about either guy. How is Jake Paul going to do against an opponent who is primarily a professional boxer? not a influencer, not a MMA fighter, right. not a basketball player, whatever. And for Fury, you know, he has had a very limited competition as a professional, but at least he's been fighting boxers. Uh, the, the fight he had on the undercard when Fury fought Woodley, I mean, when, uh, when uh, Jake fought Woodley was an atrocious, boring, sleep-inducing, you know, slit your eyes, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever, because of that fight. And then he had another fight that just recently took place in April, on the undercard of his half-brother, the heavyweight champion Tyson Fury, when he knocked out Dillian White, he got the win. Uh, again, not a particularly uh, impressive performance. Um, we'll, see, we'll see what he can do against Jake Paul. We'll see what Jake Paul can do. But look, TJ, Madison Square Garden, uh, the hype for this fight because of Jake's name right. and, and the fact that Serrano was also on the card having helped sell the place out for the women's championship fight that was on April 30th. It's going to be a big event. I mean, and if, if you're a hater, don't watch it. In terms of Serrano, uh, this is stay busy mainly to try to get the Katie uh, Taylor rematch first part of next year, something like that. What do you make of this? Well, I mean, they talked about trying to have the they, they you know right after her fight was over with uh, with with Katie Taylor back at the end of April. Everybody was talking about doing the fight in a rematch, maybe going to Ireland to have the fight, and you know for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Um, and now she's going in a separate, a separate track, a separate path. I think eventually, I mean, it, it, it would be ridiculous for them not to have another fight, given the amount of money that it generated, how good it was. Um, but instead of that, she's now fighting on Jake's uh, card. He promotes her. And she obviously had a big crowd there at the Garden. She's from Brooklyn. She's Puerto Rican. She'll have a huge fan uh, crowd there, I'm sure. And she's fighting a woman named Brenda McCarbajal in a title defense from Argentina. Not much known about her. I mean, she has fought for a, you know, she was like an interim title at one point, but, you know, Amanda is one of the best women boxers in, in, the, in the planet. I mean, she's a future Hall of Famer. Uh, she's fighting a girl that's 18, five and one. So obviously she's going to be the heavy favorite. You know, the, the woman she's fighting is coming from Argentina. It'll only be her third time fighting outside of her country. She did fight one previous fight in the United States on a Clarissa Shields undercard uh, in Atlantic City. She's had one other fight in a loss uh, for an interim featherweight belt. So she's a smaller woman coming up in weight. Uh, that was in Denmark, but you know, Amanda makes good fights and she's going to be a star of the show. So uh, we'll see what else they add to the undercard. But my, again, I say it again, if you're interested in Jake Paul or Amanda, 
just understand what you're buying. You know, and with Amanda, you're getting one of the best women in the world, but you're not getting a Katie Taylor level fight. And with Jake, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm going to enjoy it though. I don't, I don't mind that stuff. I mean, for me, as much as I like the big heavyweight championship fights or the big pound for pound type fights or look forward to like an Errol Spence against Terrence Crawford kind of fight, you know, you, you want to give me a little bit of a sideshow. I'm, I'm down for that once in a while. I'm cool. Well, and is there drama and intrigue? Can Tommy Fury test him? We don't know what's going to happen when Jake Paul finally gets in there with a with a skilled boxer. We don't know. We don't know if that's what this test is going to be. So that's part of the intrigue on when that happens. And we've still got a couple of months before it does happen in the month of August. We do know what's happening in San Antonio. Bam Rodriguez, uh, Sri Saket Sorung Visai, 12-round world title fight headlining for Matchroom. We're going to talk about that, the undercard of that fight and more as the big fight weekend uh, preview podcast doth roll on stay with us we're back on big fight weekend now here's your host tj reeves we are back in one more time here on the big fight weekend preview again dan rayfield boxing insider bigfightweekend.com read and uh, see all of his work here also on his Substack. Find him on Substack under Fight Freaks Unite. When this weekend is over, we'll have the Fight Freaks Unite recap podcast as well on whatever happens, good, bad, or indifferent. I love uh, those breakdowns, the insight and analysis. Uh, we got several world title fights coming, not as many as we thought we were going to have in San Antonio, but we do have several coming here. We'll recap all of it off the weekend. By the way, we're about to go over the odds with our friends at BetUS, etc., Depending on when you're hearing us, as Dan knows, we released this podcast, so it's out on Friday morning, et cetera. Friday's 1 Eastern time. Dan is still putting up with me a second time on the weekend on the BetUS preview boxing show that we have. We give gambling insight, gambling advice. Uh, Dan has been hot on this show early on in our first few episodes. Check us out on BetUS TV, BetUS.com, the app, and the BetUS YouTube page live Friday, live, live Friday at 1 Eastern time. You can catch it at a later time on Friday or Saturday on YouTube or through BetUS on the preview show. So now let's get into what we're talking about and what we're previewing. Matchroom Boxing and the main event, a guy that you interviewed last week on this preview podcast, is Jesse Bam Rodriguez. It is still the case that he is the youngest world champion in boxing. That's part of the intrigue. He's fighting back in his hometown, home area of San Antonio. And this is a quality former world champion opponent in the main event for Matchroom. Tell me more in the preview mode, Dan Rayfield. Oh, it's a tremendous matchup. When they made this card, this to me was like a real true fight fans card. It reminded me of the greatest days of HBO's boxing after dark, where you would take fights that definitely you could see there being a lot of action, but not necessarily with the biggest names. And they made the kind of card uh, like that, but on steroids, because instead of just two fights, like HBO's series would typically have, this had four world title fights. Now, as we mentioned, we did have some problems with one of those fights, but the main event is still the main event. And that's Bam Rodriguez. As you mentioned, the youngest active world champion in boxing, uh, undefeated, uh, a really exciting and and uh, and 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 I had met him before, but when I interviewed him last week, it was the first time I ever interviewed him. Just a tremendous uh, conversation, really interesting uh, young guy, a good head on his shoulders. But he's taken on Sarungisai, who people know as one of the great warriors of the of the great foursome of junior bantamweights between him and and Carlos Quadras and Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez and Juan Francisco Estrada. And when I talked to to Bam about that, that he he just won the title against Quadras in a fight that he took on short notice because Sarungi side was supposed to fight Quadras, but he was ill and had to postpone the fight. So it didn't happen. 
he beat up on Quadras, and now he's taking on the second one. And I, I mentioned about how it's the second one of the great foursome, and he says, you know, bring those guys on when I'm done, basically. So this is a fearless guy who thinks of himself as the next generation of star in this weight class. He moved up in weight to take on the title shot. He's trained by Robert Garcia. And as we talked about before, Robert Garcia is now the trainer for Anthony Joshua. He's been in Saudi Arabia uh, at their news conference. He's supposed to be in London for their press conference next week. But part of the contract that he did when he agreed to train uh, Anthony Joshua was you have to let me leave the camp for uh, you know, a certain number of days so I can be with my other champions. And so he will be in the corner. He's, you know, probably, I uh, maybe he may be there already, but he will be in the corner supposedly on Saturday for Bam Rodriguez. So his younger brother, or I'm sorry, I take the back Robert's son and uh, his father have been handling the camp along with one of the other assistants. Uh, but Robert has been going over the game plan and Robert will be there in the corner on fight night, which shows you that he is taking a young guy like a Bam Rodriguez and making him a priority, even though he's also the trainer uh, you know, of one of the biggest names in boxing. So uh, Bam was excited about that, 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 that he worked that out situation. Um, and look, as a fight man, this shapes up like can't miss action because we've seen Sarung Visa in some absolutely tremendous battles with the likes of Estrada, Quadras, and Chocolatito Gonzalez. And now he's taking on Bam Rodriguez, who also lends himself to action-packed fights. If you watch the Quadras fight, excellent matchup. If you've seen some of his other fights, it's just a first-class fight. And for a kid like this, undefeated, uh, first defense taken on. Now it's a mandatory fight, but he probably wouldn't have had to have this opponent. He probably could have taken another opponent before the mandatory, but he's like ready to go. He just wants to make a legacy, make the money, make a name. Uh, he's excited to be fighting in his hometown. And and I think that this is uh, a really good, good fight. I am pumped for this fight. I'm yeah. more excited for this fight than I am for Jake Paul <laughs> against uh, Tommy Fury, for example. Jump. This is a real, you're a diehard fan, man. This is not a missable fight. You've got to watch this because uh, he's the future, possibly. And Sarungasai is like a borderline Hall of Famer. Uh, WBC Junior Bantamweight title is on the line. I should have already brought that up. Uh, Sorung Visai, very interesting for our friends at BetUS and the short-time investing, is plus 350 as the underdog. You mentioned the upset wins, two of them. I, I know you've already put out there you disagreed with the decision win the first time over Chocolatito. There was no disputing the second time was a beatdown <laughs> and a knockout. Can Sorung Visai maybe, maybe play spoiler here and, and win this, or do you think this is Bam's fight and Bam's fight all the way unless something crazy happens? You know, I'm never going to underestimate a, a veteran champion like Sarangisai, who seems to have a pretty, you know, pretty good chin. He's been stopped a couple times, but not for a while. Uh, he has a great resume. He is the kind of guy that has stayed busy-ish. I mean, maybe not in the last couple of years, but he always fought between fights. He's had a, a hard road. No one gave him anything. And, uh, you know, it's a big deal for him to get a chance to fight for the title again. Um and he's probably forgotten more boxing than Bam Rodriguez has learned so far. Uh, you you go through the gauntlet of opponents that he's been through, uh, mainly those big those big three opponents we've talked about. But it's not like they're the only guys he's ever fought. He's fought good other quality guys uh, in Asia as well. Um, but he's really made his bones against the big names. Roman Gonzalez, he has two. Now, I don't know if Sarungasai is going to make the Hall of Fame. I say he's a borderline guy. But he's got two wins against the Hall of Famer, one of them by resounding knockout. Can't ever take that away from him. And look what Roman Gonzalez has done post that. We all thought he was done after that fight. He has had a massive resurgence uh, after that little bit of a down period and is, is still going strong uh, and just beat Julio Cesar Martinez, who we'll talk about, who fell off this card. Um, 
So you say, can Sarong Visay win the fight? Yes, he can win the fight. He's a southpaw. He's got good power. He's got great experience. Uh, fearless about going to the other man's hometown. Uh, but boxing is a young man's game. And, you know, with the, the youth and the hunger and the speed and the, and, the, and the confidence, you know, it is hard to bet against Bam Rodriguez. All right. Again, that's the main event of this matchroom card. So one of the title fights dropped off. Uh, that was Julio Cesar Martinez uh, in action. Give me more of the details of what happened here and how we lost that fight late in the week as part of this uh, championship fight card for Matchroom. So he's the WBC flyweight champion. He had had a previous fight against uh, Arroyo. It was a, a just a wild battle. I mean, it only last three rounds, uh, but they were both down and it was just just wild and it ended in a no contest. And so because Arroyo was the interim champion and and, and, uh, and Martinez is the full champion. The WBC ordered a rematch. So that was supposed to be on this undercard. Now, they were supposed to fight at a previous time. And, 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 um, and Martinez has had other fights where he's pulled out for all kinds of different reasons. Injury, illness, one where he had a hand injury, but he was still in the fight during fight week and went to the press conference. And something must have happened between the press conference and the weigh-in where he pulled out of the fight. It was like still all kind of shady. Nobody really sort of knows exactly what happened. But the point is, he's shown himself to be unreliable is the point. So Martinez now supposedly comes down with some kind of illness. Uh, Non-COVID, I guess, is what I am told, but I don't know what the particular details are. And so he's not in the fight. You know, Julio Mar Cesar Martinez dropped off the card and uh, that fight won't take place. So what Matchroom has done is taken the fight with Ray Ford, a featherweight up-and-comer against a local San Antonio undefeated guy, Medina, and that will go on to the main card and uh, that will take its place. But as you mentioned, there are still other uh, other title fights on the show. And, uh, you know, and even the Ford-Medina fight, they're two younger guys. Ford is undefeated. Medina is undefeated. You know, they're looking to make their name. So it may not be as good of a matchup as the rematch between Arroyo and Martinez, but it still should be a pretty solid fight for that undercard. All right. Uh, the, the other title fight that's of interest is the unified junior featherweight championship fight. MJ or Murajan, if I say it correctly, uh, Akhmadi Alev. No, How'd you I butchered that TJ. Come on, bro. Give, me, give it to me again. Akhmadi MJ, Alev, no? I even said before we even started taping, I told you what it was. So give it to we'll me again. One, one more time. MJ Akhmadaliev. Akhmadaliev. From Uzbekistan. And the Uzbek is undefeated, former Olympic fighter, 10-0. Ronnie Rios is a veteran from California. What do you make of this? Because uh, Akhmadiyev, did I come close? Ugh. Akhmadaliev. Akhmadaliev. Are we gonna, we're going we're gonna to put the well, podcast hold. Here's, here's my thing. I know enough about Arabic that AK is Ak, and you keep saying Ak. Like that's a New York act thing so, here while we're so going say over the Medallion. You're Ak At least I'm close. You're butchering right. it. Thank you. So anyway, uh, MJ, will we'll he have a Stephen Fulton undisputed fight down the road if he keeps winning? That's what we wonder. That's the real intrigue. Can Rios provide some kind of challenge here in this one uh, for the IBF WBA junior featherweight 122 pound titles? What say you, Dan Rayfield? Well, this is a mandatory fight. This is a fight that has been postponed uh, once before because of uh, an illness situation, and they finally got it back together. And Ronnie Rios is a good fighter. I mean, he's never wowed me, but he's always been a good, solid contender, a hard worker. He's got some losses, been stopped a couple of times, but, you know, it was one of those, uh, you know, dust yourself off and get back in the gym and uh, build yourself back up. He had one world title fight back in 2017 against Ray Vargas when Ray Vargas was the WBC champion at 122 pounds. He lost uh, a pretty wide decision in a 
very boring fight, to be frank. He's uh, won a bunch <laughs> of uh, fights since then. Also had another loss in there against uh, Hovanissian. Um, his big win, I guess, if you call it that, was when he knocked out Diego De La Hoya, the cousin of Oscar De La Hoya, who's, you know, they're also with uh, Golden Boy, or Ronnie is still with Golden Boy, and, and Diego is the, is, the, is the cousin, ended his undefeated run in what was considered at the time uh, somewhat of an upset. Um, but he's taken on Akhmedaliev, who is an undefeated fighter, who's unified titles, who's a master kind of boxer type, not the flashiest guy, not the most exciting guy. I have a hard time picking Ronnie Rios in this fight because to me, he's always done enough to lose against the best guys. I mean, the knockout of Diego De La Hoya, notwithstanding, who had not yet proven himself to be a top guy, just had a big name and was regarded as a prospect. Um, so while I think that Rios will give a good account of himself, uh, he just, you know, I just don't see the, I just don't see it in the cards as a victory, but you know, I've been wrong before. Akhmedaliev. Very nice. Good job. Minus 700 on the bet us line to your point. Rios plus 450. Uh, MJ, by the way, to score a knockout in this one is uh, minus 165. So the bet US odds makers think that's the very likely scenario. Uh, so we will yeah, see. I've never, I've never viewed Akhmedaliev as a big puncher. I know he's got seven KOs and 10 wins, but it's never, never really looked like much of a puncher to me. But, uh, you know, interesting on that. All right. If he wins like we think he should. Is the Fulton undisputed fight realistic, or here we go again with different promoters, different sides of the aisle, and that's not realistic to really happen anytime soon, even though they both have two of the world title belts? I mean, I wouldn't say it's 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 uh, that it definitely wouldn't happen, but I would say the odds are against it for a variety of reasons. Uh, but here's the thing. In boxing, if you have the athletes press for it and won't take other fights and, and demand it and are reasonable with what their expectations are, anything can happen. So... I appreciate Fulton's desire for the fight. He wants to be great. He wants to make a name. He wants to leave a legacy. I have no doubt he would take the fight. Uh, I can't imagine if you take a look at the kind of uh, resume that that Akhmedaliev has put together thus far in only, you know, 10 fights that this is not a guy that's looking to avoid good quality opponents. So I, I have no doubt that on his, on his side that it would be interested to have that also. Um, but, you know, people have to be reasonable. You know, you have to, the, the main thing is putting whatever the dollars are aside, are you going to send Fulton over to the zone or is MJ going to come over to showtime? That's what it comes down to. It's not a fight where they're going to do a joint thing. Forget that nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's not that kind of a fight. It's not nearly that kind of big enough or, 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 or a revenue generator or a ticket seller or anything like that. Uh, it's a fight that both guys want. And I, I think if they, if the sides were interested, you could almost, and I, I know this won't happen. So I'm like maybe on my soapbox a little bit, do it like you do when the, when the organizations have a mandatory fight and that sides can't make an agreement. They do a purse bid. And whoever puts the envelope in with the bigger number gets the right to do the fight. In an unofficial way, you could do that almost with a fight like this where you know it's not some mega blockbuster, but there's an interest on both sides of the fighters to do the match. They each have a broadcaster. Come to the table. Let Showtime put a sealed bid in for what they want to pay on a license fee. Let DAZN do the same thing in, in consultation with the, the promoter of, of, of their guy and the other guy. And if Showtime bids uh, $2 million on the fight and, and DAZN bids $1.7 on the fight, the fight's on Showtime and vice versa, or whatever the number is. Uh, you know, I would like to see that type of thing happen on a fight like this where um, it's not even like a huge ratings generator. It's just a good fight that's got value, but not at the highest level of finances. 
Fulton keeps hinting that he wants the monster Naoya Inoue from Japan. Who's he's not hinting. I, well, I mean, he's, he's eyeing uh, the monster being the undisputed 118 pound champion and then potentially moving up, but Fulton lobbying for that fight, better, better verb lobbying. Yeah. He would like that. that fight also. I mean, I think though, right now he sees that in the future in a way is going to probably, you know, it's not determined yet 100%, but obviously coming off of the, the recent knockout win against Donaire and their rematch to unify three of the titles, and Donaire being with the same uh, promotion as uh, Paul Butler, who has the only uh, title that Inouye doesn't have, and coming out and saying in the immediate aftermath of that fight that he wants to fight Inouye, the Inouye people have already been in touch with them. Point is, I think unless something crazy happens, it's very likely that Inouye is going to fight Butler in the next fight for the undisputed Bantamweight title. Butler can't make, you know, 10 cents fighting somebody else compared to what he can make against Inouye. <laughs> and Butler even said in, in his comments that his promoter issued that he's not only knows he would have to go to Japan to do the fight, he embraces going to Japan to do the fight. So it's a win-win for everybody. He's going to make more money than his probably previous five to 10 fights combined. We get it. We DJ, I say he's, I'm going to go a step further. I guarantee you that the number of dollars that he would make to fight in a way would dwarf if you took his entire career wow. earnings and he will make more Especially in that one fight. Especially fighting him made. in Japan, fighting him there. Of course. pay him more. Yeah. So that's a fight that seems logical. Now, when Inouye destroys Paul Baller, which is what will happen, the question, now we don't, you know, that fight's not been made and I'm already willing to give out that pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, then if Fulton is, you know, still making noise and Inouye has said he wants to move up after he becomes the undisputed champion at the Bantamweight level, now you're talking. Now, again, hard fight to make, differing promotions, different countries, different broadcasters. It's, as they say in relationships, TJ, it's complicated. It is. It is. We'll see what happens with those guys. We'll see what happens with MJ. Uh, in this one, uh, real quick, before we're done on the Matchroom Show, there is a third title fight. And we shouldn't sell it this short because she is the undisputed ladies' world welterweight champion. Jessica McCaskill um, is uh, is in action in what uh, in what looks like a mandatory stay busy uh, fight here. Tell it's me not a mandatory. I mean, give, me, give me something on this. It's not really, it's not a mandatory fight, but you know, and we're not selling it short because McCaskill is one of the best women boxers in the world. Um, I've seen her fight many times. I've been to some of her fights. She's a very exciting fighter. She's, um, she's um, a smart woman. I've actually listened to her uh, because the zone has used her in some of their uh, broadcast uh, spots. She does a hell of a job. She was really good on the Serrano Katie Taylor DAZN show as an analyst to your point. But the woman that she's fighting is Alma Ibarra, who's 10 and one with five knockouts. She's a, uh, a, a woman from Mexico, 34 years old. She is a hard-nosed fighter, but the talent gap, the speed gap, the, you know, it's just everything shapes up in favor of McCaskill. So uh, it's not that we're selling it short because it's a women's fight. We're just sort of selling a little bit short because it's not viewed to be as the most competitive fight, even less so than other fights that like, let's say the MJ fight against Rios, which I think will be a little bit competitive or certainly the main event was Harungvisai and uh, Bam Rodriguez, which I think will be certainly uh, somewhat competitive. Uh, but Ibarra, you know, she's got an uphill battle in a big way. McCaskill is uh, the conqueror twice of Cecilia Brekus, and she is, you know, if you're making women's pound-for-pound lists, you know, you have to look at the at the at the elite at the very very top of that food chain. I said, I guess, in no particular order, you're talking about Serrano, Katie Taylor. Uh, uh, Clarissa Shields, but McCaskill is right in that sort of conversation, top five, top six. She's in that level in women's boxing. And uh, so again, I'm not selling her, her short, 
I'm maybe selling the fight a little bit short just because a bar is not an A-level opponent, but a good opponent. Not a, and again, I'm not dumping on a bar, but she's, she's just a, an, a regular type of contender if there's such a thing. And this is a championship caliber fighter. And again, in beating Breakus, Breakus had won what, like 18 title defenses in a row and had I think been more over, than that, actually. It had been champion for a long, long time. Had been over a decade. Had been over a decade at welterweight. Yeah. Was the longest reigning continuous champion in any division in boxing, men or women. Now, there was, there was a the lot of controversies. There was a lot of controversy about who should have deserved the win in their first fight. A lot of people thought that Cecilia did enough to win their first fight against Jessica. But she really didn't leave any doubt in the way that she won the decision mm -hmm. in the second fight. So, look, Jessica McCaskill is a worthy women's champion. Uh and she is just fighting what would not be considered an A-level defense in this particular uh, event. All right. And but, again, um, you know, she's good to watch, though. She makes good fights. So I think even with the loss of the Martinez fight, which was looked like a dynamite fight based on what they did for three rounds in their first match with him and Arroyo, it still shapes up like a good card because Rodriguez and Sarangasai is a top-quality fight. MJ is a unified undefeated champion against a quality contender who's been around taking his lumps, but a good solid fighter for a very long time. Then you take uh, the women's fight that we just talked about. She's a, one of the best uh, women's boxers in the world. And again, with the other fight that's moved up the card to replace Martinez with Ray Ford and, and Medina, both undefeated uh, and both prospects and both looking to do something. You know, I'm not, I, I'm not that familiar with Medina, so I can't sit here and tell you, I think it's going to be this or that kind of fight, but at least it's not, at least on paper, it doesn't look like a blowout or a mismatch. All right. So we got a lot of action there. And again, we'll have more from the gambling perspective, depending on when you're hearing us, the bet us Friday preview show one Eastern time live, get in the live chat, uh, mix it up with us. We'll make fight predictions and much more, et cetera. We're already alluding to a lot of this. I think, I think Sorung Visai is a live dog in this situation with Bam Rodriguez. We'll see. We'll debate that more on that show on Friday. As always, Dan, this was a lot of fun here. Anything else in closing that we haven't covered or anything else? You're ready for the action in I San Antonio? I, I think we're good. I'm just uh, I'm looking forward to the fight. And, you know, it's a quiet weekend because that's really the only, uh, like, big card of, of the weekend. That's okay because, it's to me, it's quality, not quantity. Enough action there. And, by the way, I, I might mention this, too, on the Bet U.S. show. You've been to San Antonio. Remember oh, yeah. the Alamo, the Riverwalk, the uh, enchiladas with the green chili? That's It's all about it. In, I've been there many times myself, and this is San where the Antonio, action is taking place. San Antonio is one of my very favorite cities. I have covered fights, and I've covered a number of fights there. Uh, my most memorable fight I covered there was probably when it was uh, the big upset between Adrian Broner against Marcos Maidana. That was uh, just a, a big-time uh, uh, a fight and, and great upset. Uh, the funniest thing about that was, you know, Maidana is from Argentina. Uh, Adrian Broner is obviously a black American. But all the Latino fans that turned out to the, uh, to the Alamo Dome for that fight they basically adopted him as a Mexican that night and rooted against Broner. It was really quite <laughs> safe. But that was a hell of a night in, uh, in San Antonio. And uh, the thing that amazed me when I went there for the first time, you know, you got to go see the Alamo, right? Whenever I, this is what I tell people, like, they're like, you know, I've traveled so many places to see fights. Other than like New York, LA and Vegas, where I've gone a bazillion times, when mm -hmm. you're going to a place that you don't go to all the time, I've always made it a point when I've done this for all these years to try to do something while I'm there it's not boxing related. So, you know, I went with some of the other guys to like uh, the Bill Clinton presidential museum when we were doing a fight in, in Little Rock, Arkansas years mm -hmm. ago, with Jermaine Taylor, you know, we, I've done fights in, in, uh, in Memphis. We went uh, to the civil rights museum. That's right. Uh, 
my you hometown, know, Martin Luther King trying to do something. Yep. yep. Yeah, exactly. Like I did, a, I did a fight in Chicago once years ago. We went to like the Ernest Hemingway Museum because he was born. Listen I guess to he was my born man Rayfield, more cultured than I realize. Ernest Hemingway <laughs> Museum. That's outstanding. Keep going. So, so anyway, try to do different things. I went. I did a fight in St. Louis. What do you do in St. Louis? I went to go the, the Arch. Got to go to the I've Arch. Done fights in. Uh, did fights in Houston. We went to like a Houston Rockets game the night before the fight, which was taking place in the same arena. They hooked us up with tickets. The folks that were, that were doing the, uh, you know, from the arena, they, they gave out a bunch of tickets. That was the one time, by the way, I got to see LeBron James play in person against Yao Ming, a big matchup back at the time. <laughs> and anyway, so here's the thing though, when you go to San Antonio, what do you do? You're going to go to the Alamo, right? That's right. So we drive over to the Alamo. I was with some of the other guys that were, Dude, it's like this little tiny thing, and it's next to a gas station. On TV, Literally. they make it seem like it's this big national park no. and this whole thing, and instead it looks like something in a strip mall. I'm not over-exaggerating, am I? If you were standing in the like in front of the front door and you turn to your side, you could throw a baseball like 10 feet and hit the side of the gas station. It's next. I was like, yes. we're sitting there in, in, in the car driving towards the alamo dome and i'm like i can't believe this most famous um moment you know one of the most famous moments in american history is is the remember the alamo i mean they made sure. movies about it they sang songs about it it's, i mean mm -hmm. you grow up hearing about it. it's next to a gas station dude like on the main drag in san antonio <laughs> like it you is. said if it had a drive-through it wouldn't be a shock you know what yeah. i mean the Alamo, so, it is, it is interesting. That was and, of all the of all the touristy types of things I've done going to different cities around the country covering fights. Uh, that was one of the most shocking things I ever saw was to go to San Antonio, go to the Alamo, and see it is this tiny little thing on a main drag next to a gas station. Blew my mind. That's the best. But I am I am cultured though. I've like I said, we've gone to all those museums in different places. That is good. And that's the backdrop for this. This fight not in the Alamo Dome. By the way, I'm just gonna jog you on the historical perspective. Very famous draw between Pernell Whitaker, Julio Cesar Chavez, Alamo Dome, San Antonio, Texas. Yes. Some 30 years ago. Uh, by the way, you mentioned Leo Santa Cruz. I'm not sure that he's gotten up yet from that uppercut from Gervonta Davis, Alamo Dome during the pandemic year, uh, October 2020. So there have been some fights in the Alamo Dome. These fights are not in no, no, the this former is, home of the Spurs. It's in a smaller arena. It's not even the Spurs basketball arena. It's in a small No, it's arena. in like, uh, I forget the name of it, but it's like a, a new facility holds about, I'm told about 3,000, 3,500. Um, but look, I, I've covered like, Nonito Donaire against Jorge Arce in San Antonio. I mentioned about Broner versus Madonna. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., I think uh, one of his fights against Charlo Castaño won was there last summer in the Spurs arena in the AT&T Center. Now, that was one I was not at, but right. San Antonio is a great city. Uh, the Riverwalk is fun if you've never done it. There's uh, a lot of nice uh, sports bars and that sort of stuff. I remember going with some of the guys and some of the HBO executives uh, one night to watch, uh, you, know, uh, you know, playoff basketball after uh after like the weigh-in i guess um and some of the and listen i'm a i love mexican food man absolutely that is the home of the best mexican places i have ever been in my life right. you drink salsa there like it's a beverage <laughs> okay on that i think that's a good note to end it on on that note i think we're pretty well good on the big fight weekend preview enjoy all of the action this weekend to the audience and to dan dan thank you we'll be recapping it on the fight freaks unite recap off the weekend we'll see what happens bam rodriguez sore rung visa in the main event and the other title fights thank you for the time here sir you got it my man looking forward to the weekend
And we thank you for finding us as well, however you did, wherever you did. Make sure you follow or subscribe, rate us, and review us. Take a screenshot of it, tag us, and you're in for the Tyson Holyfield 1 hat. The Tyson Holyfield finally hat from November of 96. I'm giving that away to somebody at random. The first 10 of you that send me that screenshot, you're going to be in at random to win the drawing. I'll send you the hat. That's coming if you rate us and review us. For now, we're good. Follow or subscribe on this feed. You get the preview podcast automatically hitting the weekend. You get Fight Freaks Unite automatically recapping off the weekend as part of Big Fight Weekend. For Dan Rayfield, I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the fights. Bye. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20.